Good morning, and I'm so glad you've joined us. We're beginning our third quarter here at Northfield Boulevard Church of Christ, located at 2091 Pitts Lane here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we're glad you could join us. It's good to see you. It would be even better if I could be in your midst and we could study together. But here, uh, I am going to provide you in this format with everything you need to study, to go back and re-listen, uh, to have PowerPoint slides that many of you ask for after our lessons, and uh, to maybe present this yourself to someone in need or someone who would like to study the gospel. I don't mind if you share this in any form uh, that you would like to. Uh, we need all the workers we can in spreading and sowing the seed. So thank you. We're going to begin this quarter uh, with a study of the first uh, epistle to the Corinthians. It was a letter that Paul wrote with great anguish uh, to a church that had fallen topsy-turvy uh, into disaster. There were problems of factionalism and division. There were problems of sexual immorality. There were problems with idolatry. There were problems with selfishness. There were pro problems with misusing holy spirit gifts. And we're going to look at those as best we can during this quarter. I urge you to read ahead uh, and look at our course outline noted here. Uh, read all the chapters before class so that you can follow along and understand uh, what we're talking about. But also, uh, you may have formed questions in your reading uh, that you'd like to ask. And you can do that. You can send those questions to www.godsredeemed.org and we'll be quick to answer. Or you may write me at B as in boy, H-I-G-G-Y 28 at gmail.com. That's bhiggy28 at gmail.com. If you've been in any of my classes, you know that I always enjoy going back and looking at history to try to gain an understanding of social uh, climate, uh, political climate, uh, trade and economy, things that may have influenced uh, the writings or the reason for Paul writing certain uh, churches, Jesus addressing certain churches. I like to look at what was going on at the time of the writing and gain an understanding, but also not be so quick maybe to point fingers uh, of accusation uh, while holding my own self up that I don't know how I would have reacted in those days. And so let's jump right in and look at the city of Corinth. As you can uh, tell here on this map, Corinth is located on this little strip of land. The Isthmus of Corinth is called and it connects Northern Greece with Southern Greece. It's an important uh, isthmus because there was a canal uh, dug there by Nero. And as he began to uh, widen it for uh, larger ships than the smaller ships that went through there, uh, he began that task early on, but it wasn't finished until around 1893 to accommodate many of the larger ships of today. You can see its position in the world that as a seafaring uh, town, uh, 
uh, it was an important place to be. It handled shipping from uh, the West, which came down this uh, Spice Road and the Silk Road, which also came out of China, across Turkey. And then they would sail across the Aegean here or come up uh, to pass through uh, to various places on the south of Greece through the Isthmus of Corinth. A letter uh, idea of where it's located, uh, you can see its uh, area here, which by the way, Corinth has been around uh, inhabited since about 5000 BC. Uh, more so in 3000 BC. It was uh, the subject of uh, many modern, uh, not modern, uh, many natural disasters, earthquakes and such, as well as uh, marching armies. When Rome took over the Greek Empire, they kept many of their uh, gods and changed the names from the Greek name to the Roman names. And certainly Corinth had its fill of idolatry, mythology, and belief in the occult. It was a shipping town, so there were many, many pleasures to be had by those who sought such things. Uh, it was known as a city of vice a city of drunkenness, a city of sexual immorality. And in fact, many of the historians who look back, uh, who wrote during that time, uh, described someone as being Corinthian or to Corinthicize something, uh, referred to people who were drunkards, who were sexually immoral, who were full of debauchery. And that certainly describes uh, the city at the at the time Paul came there. Corinth was destroyed in 146 by Mumius, uh, Lucius Mumius, uh, who was uh, the Roman uh, general, because it was the leading state uh, opposing Roman rule. <clears throat> they did not want to be part of Rome. And so in 44 BC, uh, Caesar, Julius Caesar, uh, established it as a Roman colony, and he sent uh, freedmen to occupy it. These were the slaves who had gained their freedom, either by purchase or by great deeds, or uh, slaves who had fulfilled their role with their master and were set free. It was a very important city, but it was a very, very uh, hedonistic city as well. I think Paul may have had them in mind when he wrote the letter of Romans. You know, he wrote Romans from uh, Corinth as he stayed there for this year and a half. And he writes in Romans, the first chapter, in verse 28, about the debauchery of Corinth. But Corinth was a city full of vices. Temples, Temple of Octavia, the Temple of Apollo, many other uh, brothels and temples outside uh, this downtown, so to speak, area. But you can see uh, Corinth was a lot like Ephesus. If you remember when we uh, studied Ephesus together, I had just gotten back from Ephesus in Turkey, and we looked at some of the pictures I made of the layout of the city and some of the things that were there. Well, Paul, when he arrived, saw some of the same things. It was very familiar 
place when he left here and went back to Ephesus, uh, they were recognizable things, such as this little small amphitheater in which those musicians and poets would gather uh, in the afternoon and early evening or on a cool summer night. And they would play music and read poems or sing songs. And then there was the larger amphitheater, which we saw in Ephesus, where Paul uh, was involved in the riot uh, at Ephesus a little later, uh, which held larger events, larger uh, bits of entertainment. And so uh, these were very familiar to Paul. Also, as in every city, there was what we would call the shopping mall located here called the Agora. It was a place for people to come and buy things that were brought from afar, things that had come in on the ships, things uh, that had to do with idolatry and other things. And so Paul would probably uh, know his way around. How did Paul get to Corinth? Well, he left Jerusalem, and as we're going to see here shortly, he goes to uh, these various places on his second missionary journey, going to Derby and Lystra and Antioch, Neapolis, Philippi, Thessalonica, many of those names very familiar to you. And as he comes uh, down to uh, Greece, he goes first to Athens and then down the uh, Isthmus to Corinth. And there he stays with them for a year and a half and there writes epistles and he uh, works with the church. As I said, when you look at Romans, the first chapter in verse 28, Paul describes a people. And whether he's describing the people around him, the people that he's been working with here on this journey or not, it's very, very coincidental. It's very familiar to the people of Corinth at the time. Listen, he says they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Listen to this, inventors of evil, thinking of ways uh, to commit evil disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. And so it's not for sure, but I, it's easy to see that perhaps he did have uh, the church at Corinth, which had a thousand prostitutes in the temple to Aphrodite, and even more throughout the city. For Arthur Stanley, a historian, to write these words describing Corinth, our Arthur Stanley says, with the confluence of strangers and commerce, in other words, with the mixing of, of strangers and commerce, were associated with uh, the luxury and licentiousness which gave the name of Corinth an infamous notoriety, and which connected as they were in the case of the Temple of Aphrodite with religious rites, sufficiently explained the denunciations of sensuality to which the apostle gives utterance in these epistles more frequently and elaborately than anywhere else. It was a horrible city, and it was a horrible city for a church that was confused, that was disorganized, 
that was ignorant of so much of what Paul had taught them. And if you want to look at Corinth in one word or one description, you could look at it as New York and Los Angeles and Las Vegas all rolled up into one ball. I personally have never seen uh, such a city of evil and temptation than Las Vegas. But Paul labored there. And in Acts 18 and verse 11, it says he stayed a year and six months teaching them the word of God. And so after Barnabas and Paul decided to go different directions on the second missionary journey, Paul and Silas started out and they were joined at Derby and Lystra by Timothy. And so Timothy joins them. They began teaching. We have to remember also that the Jews were following them and accusing Paul. Uh, Luke joins them in Troas, and it's here that Paul in Acts 16 and verse 10 has this vision. And when Paul had seen the vision, it says, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so after receiving uh, this Macedonian call, which it's referred to, uh, he goes uh, with Luke, uh, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, and they sail across to Neapolis. They go to Philippi, and it's here in Philippi that they uh, convert Lydia and the Philipp Philippian jailer. Two important uh, conversions. Uh, we look at Lydia, who was a great businesswoman, and she was well known in the area, but she was studying her scripture with other women. And she heard the word and obeyed and was baptized. The Philippian jailer, who thought his life was over because an angel had set free all of the people in that jail, but primarily Paul and Silas in Acts 16. It was there that he heard the word when he asked, what should I do to be saved? Meaning his physical salvation, but the apostles looked at it as an opportunity to teach him how to be saved spiritually. The claim of the, uh, of the Jews uh, who followed Paul said that he persuaded men to worship God contrary to the law in Acts 18 and verse 13. It was not contrary to the law. It was contrary to their thinking of what the law was, to their idea of the law, which was based on commentaries by men, rabbis and judges of the time, but not according to uh, God's law through Jesus Christ. And so he began preaching uh, to all of those in Thessalonica, beginning at the synagogue where he liked to do, talking to the God-fearing Jews. And many of the women became uh, baptized and, and followed Christ. They were sent away uh, in the middle of the night there because of the Jews in Acts 17. Verses 1 through 11, talking about when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, and there they preached the word. Many were saved. They were dragged uh, before Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who've turned the world upside down have now come here also. 
Are we turning the world upside down? The world is upside down. But it's not because of God's teaching. It's because of Satan's influence. The world who should be seeking God for his love, his mercy, his grace and his providence, his wisdom and his knowledge. Seek those things that go away quickly, even here on the earth. But there's going to come a time when all of this, as in the book of Revelation, all these things are going to pass. They're not going to be here anymore. All the fame and the power. Well, they had turned the world upside down because they brought this new gospel, good news, that no longer was man separated by having to keep the law without having to keep the law with the heart. That salvation pure and true was available through Jesus Christ. And it was turned upside down. It was radical thinking, as Brother Paul Earnhardt would say. There had to be radical changes in the human's way of his relationship to God and his obedience. And so Timothy rejoins Paul and Silas at Berea in Acts 17 and verse 14. There were a lot of people converted at Berea. And do you remember what the Bereans noted for? They were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they took their Bibles, so to speak, the scriptures, and they searched them not just once, they searched them daily to see whether the things that the apostles were preaching were true. Are we doing that? In Acts, the 17th chapter, uh, as they go to the synagogue and they go to Berea, uh, he asks for uh, Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as uh, possible. And so Paul preached in the synagogue in the marketplace at Athens, you remember, in Acts 17, uh, beginning in verses 16 through 34. Uh, he leaves Athens and he comes to Corinth. And Paul arrives in Corinth. And who does he meet but Aquila and Priscilla? They were also tent makers. And they were with Paul uh, in word and deed and in mind. They worked together. And they studied together. In 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter and verse 9, uh, he says, I didn't need anything from you, church at Corinth. I wasn't there for selfish reasons. I didn't burden anyone because the brothers in Macedonia supplied my need. And he wasn't going to burden them again. He was coming to the church at Corinth again uh, in letter uh, because he loved them and he wanted their souls to be saved. How quick are we to do that? How quick are we to uh, see someone in spiritual distress and go to them and have the courage to say, you need help? He converted Crispus. Uh, he was a ruler of the synagogue, chief ruler in the synagogue. He was converted. He believed and was baptized along with many other Corinthians. And when all this opposition against him intensified. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, uh, reassuring him that he had many people in uh, the city. And he stayed there uh, for a year and a half. And in Romans, the 16th chapter, verses 1 and 2, 
Uh, he said, I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she's been a patron of many and of myself as well. There were many in the area. There were many in the area who longed to help Paul, who longed to uh, hear the word and to study with him. And so during this time also, not only did he write the church at Rome, but he wrote First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, they were charging him of speaking contrary to the law. But before he could speak in his defense, uh, Gallio dismissed the charges on the grounds that he just wasn't interested in what any of uh, the Jews had to say. Uh, and he didn't want to be involved in their religious controversies. And in Acts 18 and verse 17, the Greeks drove them from the judgment seat and they beat Sosthenes, but Gallio didn't care for any of those things. After staying in Corinth for a while, uh, Paul was the founder of the church at Corinth. He laid the foundation, uh, as we see in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. We are all part of the building. We are all precious stones laid on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And Paul says you need to be careful how you build on that, that it doesn't conflict, that it doesn't cause others to fall, that it doesn't cause the entire building to fall. And so like a father, he had begat them in the gospel. He had given them all of those things that they had uh, needed uh, in understanding Jesus Christ. He said in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter and verse 15, for though you've had countless guides in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Jesus Christ through the gospel. His later contact uh, course in Corinth uh, before he returned to Ephesus as they had taught Apollos. Apollos had moved to Corinth and he labored with the saints and they asked him uh, what his baptism was and Priscilla and Aquila heard of him. They took him aside and explained to him the gospel of Jesus Christ that he was no longer to wear the baptism of repentance uh, that John had preached, but to where the baptism of salvation, repentance and salvation that Christ had taught. On his third missionary journey that Paul took, he returned to Ephesus and la uh, labored there for three years, teaching in Ephesus and surrounding cities, according to Acts 19 and 20. So during these three years, Paul had several contacts with Paul, uh, with Corinth. Immorality continued to reach the ears of Paul, and during his work at Ephesus, uh, it had reached him again. In the second epistle that he wrote, 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 1, Paul said, I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. In the 12th chapter there, verse 14 and 21, here for the third time, Paul says, I'm ready to come to you. And I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. I don't want anything uh, physically that you have or materially. I want you. 
and I want you to remember what I taught you so that you may be saved. And he says, for children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. He looked at them as his little children, and he looked at his necessity to care for them. He said again in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians in verse 21, I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they practice. And he talks about this third time uh, that he's going to have to come to them in chapter 13 at the beginning of the chapter. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all others that I warned them now while I'm absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. As we conclude our uh, class today, we look at uh, him also writing a letter that's not existent, but he encouraged the church not to keep company with immoral members. Look at 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter in verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. So there are three, possibly four letters that Paul wrote, and we can infer the, that by the text of uh, the scripture, that perhaps he did write four, maybe more, we don't know, but we do have two uh, that refer to his other visits uh, to Corinth. And what we learn from that is they weren't an easy people uh, to take heart to what was being said. Uh, many of them who had been taught of their sin and had been uh, convicted by the mouth of two or three witnesses still had not repented of these things. They still had not uh, cleansed their hearts and were still living in the same way they always had. Soon after this letter uh, was sent, Paul intended to go to Macedonia and then to Achaia to raise a collection for the poor saints, uh, the poor among the saints, rather. And he sent Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia and from there to Achaia and prepare these brethren for the arrival uh, and to collect the funds. In Acts, the 19th chapter, beginning in verse 21, uh, the writer says, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he stayed there in Asia for a while. In the meantime, the saints from the house of Chloe arrived in Ephesus reporting the problem of contentions in the church. And this is how Paul uh, gained his understanding. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 11, he's very plain with them as he says this. It's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brethren. Isn't that a sad occasion when we hear brethren in another church arguing, dividing, contending with one another over senseless uh, issues, and over meaningful issues. 
those who are failing to heed what the scriptures say and those who are fighting to save the souls of those who are falling away. Dissension, quarreling, arguing is always uh, grievous uh, to us as brethren because we don't like for our brothers and sisters to fight, do we? But Paul says that's what's been reported. And then soon afterwards, Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaeus arrive in Ephesus. And they've got a letter from the church at Corinth asking Paul a question about certain problems that they're having. Uh, 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, and verse 17, on through the, uh, excuse me, on through that verse, he says, I rejoice at the coming of uh, Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus because they've made up for your absence. They brought letter, uh, a letter from you, and they're asking questions. So I can answer those things. And he says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. In response, Paul writes 1 Corinthians, which is sent by the hands of these three men. Uh, so he instructs the Corinthians to receive Timothy when he came. He says in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, uh, That's why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I, as I teach them everywhere in every church. And so he is going to address several problems, and they're noted in this first epistle, and they are divisions in the first four chapters, immorality in chapter five, brothers going to law with one another, fornication, marriage problems, Problems relating to eating meat, some of which may be, may have been uh, sacrificed to idols. Uh, insubordinate women, problems relating to the Lord's Supper, problems relating to spiritual gifts, and some denying the resurrection. Corinthians was written to address these problems, and that's the area that we're going to focus on. Those many areas that can destroy a church, can destroy a church member, can destroy a soul and the progress of the gospel. And so as we come to uh, our final part of this introduction, the date and authorship uh, certainly is Paul. We can understand that by what is written, his uh introduction uh, to writing that. The time of the writing is sometime about either AD 55 or 56 uh, between uh, Passover and Pentecost, sometime in the early spring of AD 55 or 56. We look at 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 8 uh, to come to that understanding and match it up with uh, those uh, historical dates. When we look at the outline of the book, and many of you enjoy having uh, an outline of the book of 1 Corinthians or any other book and understanding the overall view. He gives his greetings in chapters one through three, and in chapter, uh, excuse me, verses one through three, his thanksgiving for the brethren and for all of the things given to him through Christ in chapter one, verses four through nine, 
And then as we'll look at next week, if God gives us the time, we're going to spend two weeks looking at the problem of factions there in chapters one through four. He will then examine morality. He looks at the problem of morality in chapter five and six, incest in chapter five, verses one through 13, litigations, legal uh, problems between brethren in chapter six, fornication, spiritual immorality, questions concerning marriage in chapter seven, verses one through 40, the proper use of liberties, the problems relating to eating meats, in chapter 8, the apostle's decision to waive his rights. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 23. The peril of the strong, chapter 9 through uh, chapter 10. A final statement of Paul's principles, chapter 10. Problems relating to worship, relative to the woman's covering, problems there, problems relative to the Lord's Supper, and they had many. Uh, problems relating to the spiritual gifts, problems of understanding the resurrection, and the collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And so we're going to look at not only that, but finishing up with Paul's planned visit uh, to Corinth, uh, his desire to see them, uh, his desire to uh, be with them again, and then finally, in chapter 16, the latter part, we'll look at his concluding remarks. I hope you enjoyed this study. I'm looking forward to uh, wading on into the rest of the quarter uh, with a look at these. Please be sure next week, to uh, before class begins, uh, be sure you read 1 Corinthians, the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th chapters. If you can't do all four, at least do uh, two of them. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you then. May God bless you. And if God gives you the time, uh, time and me the time, we'll study together again next Sunday morning. Goodbye and God bless.